point average. I'm sleeping in biology. My name's Sylvie Cooper. Like most 15-year-olds, what Sylvie Cooper wanted more than anything else was a best friend. Everybody hates me. Oh, everybody hates me, too. Do you want to come over? Someone to talk to. Wow, this is great. Someone to understand her. Oh, Ivy, this is my mom, Georgie. Till death. Someone like Ivy. show today i can't wait me too my name's pete and i'm scott and And these these are are the movies movies that that made us gay gay. wow this one takes me back really same here so there's there's an interesting story of why we picked this movie tell me so we watched poison ivy with friend of the pod returning guest third time on the show michael morgan welcome back Wow. Welcome back, Mike. Happy to be here. <laughs> and we watched the erotic thriller Poison Ivy from 1992, directed by Kat Shea. Yes. I feel like we have just are really on a 90s erotic thriller kick. Yes, indeed. So, I, I love me an erotic thriller Same. The 90s, uh, I mean. We're just at that point of the quarantine where we're just like digging up all of these uh, long but not forgotten classic thrillers i mean movies were just hornier in the 90s do you agree yeah and for me what what i love it's the blank from hell genre where it's just always you know the best friend from hell yes. the nanny from hell last week was the boss from last hell. week was the roommate, the from, roommate hell, from hell and now yeah. we're the best friend from hell yes that that was definitely it's a, a deeply lot of rewarding genre oh for sure so we own this on DVD. I have the three-pack of Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy 2, and Poison Ivy, The New Seduction. Yes. And I think it was about a year and a half ago, I wanted to uh, show this movie to a friend of mine because he posted an image online of Drew and Sarah, and he didn't know what it was from. And I was like, oh, man, girl, we have to watch Poison Ivy. So I took the DVD over to his apartment, opened it up, and it was gone. The DVD was not the inside DVD the box. was not inside the box. <gasps> I was fucking pissed. <laughs> and this is one of those movies that when you look it up to rent online, it's impossible. It's impossible to find. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I th- it's just a weird thing with New Line. I think I don't know. Like I, I don't know how uh, 
digital rights work. I know that mm-hmm. when our guest Millie was on the show and we were talking about the same thing with Mannequin, that mm-hmm. some movies just have weird digital rights issues. Sure. And I think this is a movie and that lives in a gray And this is a bit controversial. Yes. You know, she is in high school. Yes, indeed. And both actresses uh, under 18 – you know, not that yeah. there's that much going on, but you know, there's y- y- the seduction of it's, the older man. It's very product, uh, very pro- provocative. provocative subject. Yeah. yeah, I would say provocative, but but so it doesn't really cross a line. Right. No. But I will say, just having vivid memories of this movie at the time. What year did we decide this was? Ninety two. Ninety two. May of ninety two. Um, just the fact that. There's a very brief, very fleeting, like, peck on the lips between, like, Drew and mm-hmm. and Darlene Connor. Um, and that, I remember being pretty controversial, being pretty, like, I do, noted. too. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I guess there is a little bit of, uh, of some action between these, these two youthful characters. So, a few days ago, yes, I was thinking about the David Bowie movie Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. When I was picking up some breakfast burritos, uh-huh. and I got home, and I'm like, "We're gonna we're gonna watch our old Blu-ray of Labyrinth to see how it looks on our new 4K TV." So I pick, I get our Labyrinth disc, and lo and behold, what disc is in Labyrinth? It is Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy, and I lost oh. my goddamn mind. <laughs> it was like finding a ten dollar bill in your pant pocket. Yeah, I was so happy. So then I was like, Pete. We're recording Poison Ivy this week. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant to be. So now we have the complete collection of Poison Ivy. Yes, because the disc that was missing is uh, it's actually a double disc on the same DVD. It's Poison Ivy and Poison Ivy 2 colon Lily uh, <laughs> starring Alyssa Milano. No one from the original movie at all. We'll get into the sequels uh, in a bit after we talk a little bit. I have a I have a story about the sequels oh, too, so oh, I'll, I'll be excited to hear. Because <laughs> I remember that I remember this coming out too as a kid. Yeah, and then I remember the sequels happening too. Yeah, so. And, you know, Alyssa and Drew's careers kind of following this weird path in the 90s, you know, kind of crisscrossing and overlapping a couple of times. And this is one of them. Um, So, Scott, you said you had some information about some behind the scenes. Well, not behind the scenes stuff, but just some uh, info about the movie. I think that it's important to note, and we talked a little bit off mic about this, but we'll get into it now. This movie is directed by Kat Shea, a woman, and she's kind of a prodigy of Roger Corman. Oh, like okay. she's produced some sleeper hit B movies. Yeah. One of them is Strip to Kill, Strip to Kill Two, <laughs> Streets. With- I've seen Strip to Kill. Oh Let wow, is it worth checking there. out? It's great. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god. Um, Streets with Christina Applegate and uh, Dance of the Damned. Interesting. So she was just kind of those were her calling card movies around L.A. at the time, and New Line was wanting to do a teenage version of fatal attraction like that was kind of the elevator pitch of this movie and the screenwriter melissa godard kind of based the story she has a story credit she based the story of something that allegedly happened to her with one of her friends when she was in high school Mm -hmm. so it's kind of based on a true story but then Katche and her husband ended up doing the script for poison ivy and this is what this is what came out of it 
And yeah, so this movie premiered at Sundance in 92, released, and it didn't do very well no. in its uh, uh, initial release. <laughs> it no. didn't even gross like back its whole budget. Right. But then, kind of later in the 90s, it would just be on steady rotation on cable. And that's oh where yeah, it, and that's yeah. where it got like its cult following. And then they ended up doing the sequel in like '96 and then '97. Okay, mm-hmm. and yeah, so and I would argue you, it feels like it was directed by a woman, kind of. Absolutely, in the sense that I think that it, the movie goes out of its way to kind of be a little bit more on Ivy's side. Yeah, yeah, or not really present her as like Freddy Krueger the way that a lot of these blank from hell movies tend to devolve their main characters right like she never has i mean aside from like she straight up is the villain and she does villainous things. yeah she, she's a psychopath yeah <laughs> she does one villainous thing really um but the rest of the time when they do kind of illustrate her being kind of like psycho it never gets too crazy like she doesn't kill a bunch of people on her way to like, you know, kill uh, right. Sylvie's mom or whatever. Um, she like she treats the dog well. She treats the maid well. Like she's not mm-hmm. overt. Even evil. the way she seduces the dad, it's very yeah. much on him mostly. Yeah. But the thing that she does do is sort of bring back the alcoholism. Yes. But. <laughs> But, hey, but you know, was... I did want to say uh, it's a show called Things That Movies That Made Me Gay. But yeah. I'll tell you one thing that did not make me gay <laughs> is Tom Skerritt's butt. <laughs> Those ass, that ass of Tom Skerritt. That hey. was not I a mean, gay moment. <laughs> he was. He's definitely up there uh, in in this movie uh, age wise. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he's. He's one of those actors that I'm like, I, he's, yeah, he's good looking. I, I don't know that I would like actively pursue, you know, Tom Skerritt, but I'm not that mad at him. But yeah, you're he's right. a dilf to an extent. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. But it, but he it is a little, um, I don't know. He's almost too old. Yeah. <laughs> when you see the ass. And I feel like it's, I feel like you see his face. It is really his, mm-hmm. his buns. That you're seeing in this movie. Yeah. And I was trying to think back to to the, like, okay, like, this premise, I mean, the fact that you just said studio execs pitched it as, like, a high school fatal attraction, like, now that would not fly. Oh, yeah. Like, they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we'll have this. But I think back in 92, it was so much more, you know, it was a little bit titillating, but it was not at all, like, controversial to right. have, like, a high school girl seduce a dad. Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, I feel like that premise, they're just like, oh, it'll be like our modern, like, Lolita, like what you were saying. Well, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of callbacks to Lolita in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. Or, yes, it, they also sort of, you know, if, thinking of Alyssa Milano, remember these shows, like, Married with Children and Who's the Boss, when, like, the girls would come out and, like, yeah. the audience would pause to be, like, ooh, Woo! like, if she were a yeah. hot and you'd, like, oogle them and, like, there'd be, like, a pause to be, like, look, it's a hot jailbait moment. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, this movie doesn't really do that. Other, other than 
the Ivy character really kind of dressing like Kelly Bundy. Like she just she dresses <laughs> she's dressing like a nineties metal or like hair metal video girl, you know? Girl yeah. that's like, hot off Melrose Avenue. Yeah. Or Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She's wearing mm-hmm. these like mini skirts, leather, like you know, the motorcycle jacket, the like cowboy boots with cowboy boots in a mini skirt and like a white, mm-hmm. you know, button down shirt like tied above her belly button, you know. Various mi- yeah. various mini skirts in this movie too. Yeah. And her her cowboy boots are constantly falling off her feet. <laughs> they're always like she's kicking them off, they're falling off. Yeah. And we there's were, like a hole in one of them. We were trying to figure out if um Drew has naturally curly hair or if it's a perm. I think it's a perm. Okay. What yeah. the movie starts with. I I can't tell. Either way it's lovely. I I I think Drew is um, well used in this movie. She's good in it. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. great. Um, and I can't say that for every Drew Barrymore performance. Yes, let this, me tell you. Well, and this was <laughs> at the like truth. the uh, this was a very interesting part of Drew Barrymore's career that right. she was a burnout. She was kind of down at the and age out, of like you know? fifteen in Hollywood. She was already discarded. I think this was a time in her career where she was just taking what she could get. As far as mm-hmm. roles, um, we watched a clip of her on Arsenio on the Arsenio Hall show, and he mentioned or he asked her if it's a situation where she's unable to get roles because studios wouldn't want to work with her because you mm-hmm. know, uninsurable, all that stuff. You know, your basic Lindsay package. Yeah, <laughs> she dug herself out of that hole, though. She did. Yeah. Um. Right around this time, she had done the amy fisher movie i think the amy oh fisher movie yeah long island lolita yeah iconic yes um i want to i want to see the name of that one because it was a it's a it's a want to consider one of the all-time great tv movies <laughs> <laughs> well i mean this whole Amy Fisher story. I could do a whole podcast on that. I was fascinated. I watched all three mm-hmm. of the made for television movies about Amy Fisher. And, and two Pico. came out at the same time, which is so rare. You know how Hollywood will often release two movies at the same time about the same thing. Yes. This was a case where there were two TV movies competing basically at the same time. There and were I think both did well because people could not get enough. Let me tell you this. There were three and two of them aired the same night. <laughs> the Drew Barrymore. So you had to make a decision yes, of what camp you were in. The Drew Barrymore and the Alyssa Milano rival Amy Fisher movies aired the same night oh on God. two different networks. Yeah. That's it, amazing. It was a scandal. Wow. And I am here to tell you that I was changing channels back and forth because <laughs> I could not decide. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, there's a whole – I won't go too deep into that. I mean I could practically do a whole other podcast on that. But I will just say <laughs> this brief little tidbit. The the Alyssa Milano movie was uh, based on uh, interviews with Joey Buttafuoco's family. So she was a lot more like slutty and scandalous. And uh-huh. like, they made Joey look a little bit more dopey in that one. No, they made him look more sexy in that one. And then the Drew one was done by like a like – a, Fox News, like journalist, 
And so that one was the most, so that one was the most like neutral. So they kind of gave everybody equal footing. What was the angle of the third one? The angle of the third one was based on Amy Fisher's story. So she was, that actress was an unknown. She was a little bit more plain looking, not as, as beautiful as Drew or Alyssa. And they made, uh, the Joey in that one, like a major hunk. So you were like, Oh, I get it. That's why uh-huh. she, that's why she fell for him. That's you know what I mean? So they all had different angles on it. It's very like Rashomon. Like if you, it's very, like if you watch <laughs> all three of them, everybody has their own little take and like, well, in my version, he's sexy. Well, in my version, he's stupid. So yeah, but, um, they Where? aired the same night. Crazy. Where's that three pack Blu-ray? I know. I'm waiting for the inevitable Hulu like limited series of Amy Fisher. Oh, I would yeah, love they, I would love they need to they get on that shit. Like a, a bunch of the '90s tabloid stories. That one is very right to be yeah. rediscovered, for sure. Well, we'll we'll have a poll on who could who could play Amy in that in that uh, <clears throat> in that new version. But we're here to talk about Poison Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> Even just how this movie is introduced with the okay. with the score. The, the score oh that is throughout this movie, I'm obsessed with. Just I this want like, slow the album to it. Yeah, I want to like put. Oh, I want yeah. to put like Ivy's Lament. Like when I I'm want driving to Lana work, Del Rey to do a concept album <laughs> based on the film Poison Ivy. Like, oh my god! Doesn't it feel very Lana Del Rey-ish? This whole movie. <laughs> that is a million dollar idea, right there. I mean, that's just a Lana Del Rey album cover of Lana like. On this, on this tire swing, swinging oh, through the air. Yeah. Oh yeah, the swing. Yeah, yeah. And the cowboy boot. The swing and the cowboy. Uh, this this rope swing over this like ravine. <laughs> it was huge. And then do you remember when Sarah Gilbert's having a moment and these Cirque du Soleil performers yeah. suddenly like jump on it, like and start doing like coordinated it's, stunts? Yeah, it's they the start same, doing like ribbon dancing. It's the same couple. From, <laughs> like, it's the same couple from the beginning too. So they used the same background extras because they were really okay. good. They're really good at the tire swing. Yeah, this one girl is constantly jumping on that, like running and jumping on a tire swing, going over this ravine. I do think that it was uh, creative angles to make this ravine look a lot deeper and scarier than it actually was though i think yeah if you really look at it it's probably just barely like well you're expecting someone to get like you know killed oh yeah to, you like, you know like they're setting it up for like ivy to push sarah gilbert like off this ravine or something or, yeah like, cut the rope or something like that but that is a thread that's completely like abandoned um, but yeah, this, the score of this movie has this like slow piano. There's also that like really slow trumpets come in at, at certain points. Mm-hmm. Got to add those strings too. Yeah. But then we also get the Sarah Gilbert character has a piano piece that she wrote specifically oh, for yeah. her sickly mother. And that comes into play like later on in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. The sickly mother we haven't even talked about yet. No, and it starts with a voiceover. I love a voiceover, and it's basically like her diary entries. Yeah, you know? yeah. the The voiceover about Ivy—it's always just so mysterious. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's just Sarah Gilbert's at the ravine, and we see all these kids, and then it's just like Ivy—the slow motion of her on this mm-hmm. on this tire switch, yeah, just living her life, just like head hanging back, you know, legs in the air. She's going to break something oh she yeah keeps up. 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, they even in the first 90 seconds sort of like casually are like, yeah, I'm kind of a lesbian. But the movie really doesn't make much hay with that. It's sort of a modern attitude. It's sort of like, yeah, you know. Yeah. She's like, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Oh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But for 92, I think that that was definitely. um, Risque. Yeah, risque. Yeah. She's sort of the troubled rich kid. I mean, yes. as much as Poison Ivy's the villain, she doesn't have to do much to blow this family up. Oh, yeah. This family was well on its on way. The brink yes. of doom. Yeah, right? they're on the edge for this sure. This is not a happy family. Yes. So upon reflection, did you guys, did we all know that Sarah Gilbert was this lesbian icon when we were little kids? <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> Well, I mean, I watching it now when she's like, I might be gay. It's like, uh, yeah. right? <laughs> I, I do have to say that Darlene Connor is definitely one of my idols of all time. You have um, a very Darlene Connor personality. I, I've definitely yeah. modeled a lot of myself after, after this character. And so for me at the time, seeing her in a film was cool. And then seeing this film that had these like adult themes, mm-hmm. you know, the sexual themes and, you know, uh, all of these like erotic politics and everything. For me, this movie definitely was something that I was like, okay, uh, I'm watching this on cable for sure. Um, not something that like, I'm telling my parents like, Hey, let's go see poison Ivy in the theater. Yeah. Right so it was kind of like this secret thing that I was like, all right, I'm into this. I remember it on pay-per-view. Like it was oh, a big pay-per-view. Oh wow, yeah, for sure. Movie. So I want to say this movie just ended up getting rented on you know like back in the days with the video store you could get like yeah. seven movies for $7 or something. <laughs> and I remember Poison Ivy just being among those and just watching it and just being fascinated oh, with yeah. it. Oh yeah. And I was also- in probably like 3rd or 4th grade and it was everyone was wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. I was probably That's about amazing. I was probably about thirteen when I first saw it. Yeah, so uh-huh. I remember thinking I was roughly around the same age, probably a little younger than the Sarah Gilbert character. Right. Um, and I also remember this movie was always on Lifetime Channel for women. Really? Yeah. Yes. I so that. I would always just get little bits and pieces of it. Yeah, and then yeah. it's a and then it's a cable, a basic cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, showing of it. So you're going to get, not going to get any of the, like really sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that they just blurred out the ass probably, but I remember seeing the car scene. Yeah. The car yeah. scene, iconic, mm-hmm. the bruise on the, the bruise on her chest. Give it oh away. no. Give I'm it talking it. about like the love making <laughs> in the oh, rain the car scene. In the rain. I forgot about it. Did, okay. This movie, I think I mentioned this, like, it rains and storms so goddamn much. Yeah. And it's set in L.A. Yeah. And you're just like, really? It's hey, set in like David Fincher's really? L.A. Yeah. Is it like one week in Los Angeles? Because, yeah, that is a lot. I mean, that does it's sometimes happen storming. in L.A. where it's rainy for like a month straight. Uh, so. I maybe. guess. It needed to be set in like March. Well, it was, it was 92. I think there was like an, an El, El Nino, Nino year. Was it an El Nino <laughs> yeah, year? I think it was. That sounds about right. <laughs> so. We were thinking about the geography of this movie. The house that they filmed is just off of Las Vegas mm-hmm. Boulevard, and I take it that's probably where it's set in the movie. I don't know like where Griffith, this Griffith yeah. Park area. I don't know where this like rope swing is. Maybe in the geography of the movie, it is Griffith Park. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I think so. The school's in Sierra Madre. Yes. The, oh, interesting. Yeah, well, and a, they do go to Me- they go to Melrose. 
Yes. That tattoo scene is one of my favorite sequences, yeah. too. That is wild when we get there. Oh, my God. But I guess we – I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. That tattoo artist is like – he's my new favorite actor. I want him to star <laughs> in every movie. I oh mean, Pete and I have a lot of tattoos. We've spent our <laughs> fair share of time in tattoo parlors. And never have we had the tattoo guy spit his beer on no, our No, yeah. He, like, spit, like, Malibu – Rum, Captain yeah. Morgan's on like a raw <laughs> tattoo, and she took it in stride. She was that's like, pretty. Whatever. That's pretty punk rock, Drew. She was just like, "Ew, can you believe this guy?" Like that was like the look on her face was just like, "What about this one?" She wasn't even like pissed off. Oh man. Um, okay, so we we should start off with yeah. We we mentioned that. Uh, okay, I, I'm not going to call her Darlene the entire movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> her name is Sylvie. Coop. Sylvie Cooper and like any television or movie character with the last name Cooper. You gotta call him Coop. They call her Coop. Even though I never grew up with yeah. anyone with the last name Cooper. Yeah, neither so. No, me either. No. And I and if I did, I would never in one thousand million years call Misha him Coop. Barton's character was called Coop. <laughs> By summer. Um So they meet in detention, I guess. Yes. I'm assuming it's detention because it's, she's like, what are you in for? Did you and spot the early Leonardo DiCaprio run across the screen? No. You literally have to freeze frame it to, if you, to see that If you him. blink, you can miss his appearance yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Okay. He like, runs across the And screen. it's funny because you can tell that when this movie came out, Leo was starting the track, so they put him in the credits. Yeah. Like, like he's a prominent extra. Yeah, because there's extras, like, if you look at the credits, which we did, we scanned them, <laughs> and there's, like, people are credited as boy, and then underneath, another boy, and then, <laughs> and then guy, and, and and Leonardo DiCaprio is guy. All right. So I don't know if that's, like, guy, like, that's his name, the name. or they they didn't want to put a third boy, <laughs> and they just credited him as guy, but... um. Leo actually did a couple of episodes of Roseanne. Um, okay. And he was would always be in Darlene's, like, classroom scenes. So I'm wondering if they were just friendly. Do you think she just brought him to set that day? Yeah. Possibly. Or if maybe she was just, like, in an early version of the Pussy Posse. I could, also see, <laughs> I could also see Drew just probably just hanging with young Leonardo DiCaprio. Sure. Too. Yeah. Drew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All those child actors. Yeah, just running in a big group of of uh, sin. These, like, boxcar children of, <laughs> of child actors. Well, we know Drew is emancipated. Yep. She was just doing whatever the hell she wanted. Um, okay, but Sylvie's like, what are you in for? And Drew's just like, well, I have to keep a certain grade point average uh, and, and I'm slipping, which is fine. You know, that's totally a true thing. If, you, you know, if you have to keep your grades up a certain level, you have to talk to counselors yeah. about that. But then when she asks... Uh, Sylvie, what she's in for, she says she called in a bomb threat to a news station. To her dad. To her dad. I mean, why would that get her detention at school, though? Yeah. I, I That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. I guess if she used, like, a school payphone, but no. True. Yeah, she did it while she was at school. Like, at my school, they would kind of, we would get in trouble for stuff we did off campus, but I went to a a private school, a Catholic school. So they're very much like you're representing us, blah, blah, blah. But well, I guess this might be supposed to be a private school. Yeah. Because of the whole scholarship thing. Mm -hmm. I like Drew's, Uh I like Drew's delivery when she 
when she mentions Jerry's kids. Yes, I know. Nobody, I'm sure nobody would understand that reference. No, um, but I do actually uh, have this. It's a stick bun. See? Oh, I like the ivy. Well, the cross makes me think of death, but the ivy is life. Sort of the tragic and the hopeful, you know? Oh. What did you do to your hair? Oh, it's Egyptian. Cool. Who's the old dude who picks you up in the pit mobile? Oh, it's my dad. He's having a midlife crisis. My name's Sylvie Cooper. So, Cooper, what did they nail you for? So, we never get Ivy's real name. No, I wondered about that. I yeah. love that, too. And she kind of just assigns her the name Ivy. She's based, a blank slate. Based on the fake tattoo that, yeah. that Ivy has on her thigh. And she just says, your name's mm-hmm. Ivy, really quickly. And... That's all anybody she calls She just rolls her. with it. Yeah. Yeah. But to which I say, you're going to the same school with this chick. You don't have one class with her. You don't know any other students that know her that are like, that's not her fucking name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it'd be easier to find her actual name. But at that point, they're in too far. She's got to call her Ivy for the long haul. Right. I like how her dad is kind of like a Fox News. Like, like yes. He's like a Alex Jones or a Tucker Carlson. I mean, if he was inspiring his own child to call in a bomb threat. Right. And it, and it hints that he's a real estate developer and he's super rich and he doesn't really need to do these editorials. Right. But like all fucking rich assholes, he just has to put his ideas on other people, even though he has more than enough money to not work. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, even now in that clip, they kind of hinted at some class tensions, you know, like Ivy's poor. Yeah. She's on mm-hmm. scholarship. Yeah. She's got like work study or whatever. Yeah. I kind of took the dad to be like, uh, who's the guy on 60 Minutes that died? It was Mike Wallace. He would always just do, that's all he yes. ever did was editorials from like that office set. I kind of, yeah, took it as that. Like, Editorials on the news are his very main editorial that they talked about how teenagers were too hormonal and balanced that they shouldn't have driver's license. Licenses. And then later on, Drew Barrymore drives and she's shockingly bad. Yes. That? It was like the movie goes out of its way to make her like a horrible driver. Yeah. She is like speeding down this like windy road. But I think that would be a good remake is if it was like a Fox News, like neocon. Yeah. Like, you know, this like hussy comes in and is trying to get him to like, you know, lose his mind. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because this character, the Tom Skerritt character, probably would be a little bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, seeing he somebody seemed like that. yeah, so seeing somebody like Ivy, like with her like Kelly Bundy wardrobe and mm-hmm. stick on tattoos, is that a thing? I've never in my life did like, she get that. Did she get that out of like a quarter that. machine? Yeah. Did she? Yeah. Like outside of a grocery store. Like where? Like 
where does one get a decal tattoo? And the interesting thing is when um, we were pulling clips, uh, audio clips for the podcast, we, uh, you know, we had to rewatch that scene and she goes, it's a sticker. And in the movie, she gestures down, she gestures down to it to peel it back, but you don't actually see her do it. It cuts away and then makes like a peely noise. (laughs) So it's like clever editing because it's clearly like drawn onto her, onto her leg. Right, and like, but you think that she peels it back, but she actually doesn't. When I rewatched it, I was like, "That's some cl- that's some like psycho editing right there." Like you thought that she peeled it, but she actually didn't, because I don't think it's an actual sticker. I think they just painted it on her leg. Yeah, yeah. Until she goes to the tattoo place and gets it permanently on her leg, which uh, is, along with some Hep C. This seems like a character <laughs> that would just already have a tattoo. Too. I know. Yeah, surprised that she had to go get it. Yeah, like un- like underage tattoos are very like a thing, and pre like the current like tattoo craze of just like random people having them. Like in yeah, in, in 1992 when it was still shocking to see people with them, and um, shocking to see someone with a nose ring too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get the comment on it. Yeah, that's true. Also, if she was going, if this is a private school that you have to pay to go to, she'd probably have to take out. That she'd nose have ring. to take that. Oh yeah, out for sure. So she. Ivy like just like latches on. She sees that rich car. Oh, she yeah. like she's like, "Ooh, you have air conditioning." And she like gets the girls out and puts them in the car window. Oh my crazy. god! She pulled that crazy alpha move. She was like, "Oh, I get car sick. Can I sit in the front?" Yeah. <laughs> and makes her her like new impromptu best friend sit in the back seat. I love that. And it's just the way that she sticks her head into this car window, just like, oh, hey, you've got AC in here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Ivy knows and then, honestly, no personal I'd be boundaries. the same way after these past few I days. I know, right? Yeah, it's true. And then I love that the, uh, the sprinklers on the lawn just happen to turn on and just like, ah, ooh, like, ah, mm-hmm. I've got to get in the car. And she's just soaking wet, sitting next to, you know, Tom Skerritt, just being super like sexy and inappropriate and she sticks she sticks her tongue out at him at one point in the movie or yeah like in that scene too yeah well Gross. right out of the gate they're talking about condoms and like dental dams and spermicide <laughs> jellies and all kinds of like early 90s like nanoxanil 9 i remember nanoxanil 9 like that you had to get condoms with nanoxanil 9 because what that, is that i don't even know it's a spermicide Okay. So, like, Perfect. not only are you wearing a condom, but you're wearing a type of condom that kills those spermies. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, it's like, it does extra job. And only, there. you know, I'm sure they still sell condoms, like, that are coated with it. But, yeah, at the time, it was like, and remember, in sex ed classes, they were like, and also on, like, MTV, like, what was MTV? Not real sex was HBO. Sex in, yes. the, sex in the 90s was on MTV. Yes. And sex in the 90s is always like spouting off like you had to get the condoms with the non yeah. and all nine. Who hosted sex in the 90s on MTV? I don't know that it had a host. I think it, it was didn't. Yeah, it was just more of a documentary like news magazine. But again, that just speaks to those times because now everyone's infertile and no one's virile. <laughs> and like the idea that you would need a spermicide, it's like, no, don't worry. No yeah. one has like a, like regular sperm count. <laughs> We're just protecting now from, like, syphilis, basically. (laughs) 
That is the damn truth. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Truvada for Prep can um, stave off COVID nineteen? <laughs> I've heard tobacco is like the secret. That's <laughs> what I, I think that they're doing like research on it right now. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, Gilead, the company that makes Truvada, is I think they're on the front lines of trying to monetize it. Yeah. Yes, that's the problem because Gilead. Freaking money rubbers. Um, all right, that's that's the end. <laughs> all right, so they they show up at the house, and it turns real BC Andrews. Oh really yes, because yeah. you meet the mom immediately, and you're oh just man, like, Whoa. played by played by Charlie's Angels, Cheryl Ladd. Yes, oh, that just, is major. Just in this like gauzy, you know, like satin nightgown with these like acrylic very like fibromyalgia like we never really know what she has yeah we're never like and she and she has a pretty bad uh prescription pill problem too yeah like she's addicted to like oxycontin her nails her nail game it's like so fetish we talk about her nails yes this is like some barbara streisand level like acrylic let game. me just open up the bottle i can't open up the bottle with these nails <laughs> these acrylics um yeah i feel like she's got this unnamed like yeah fibromyalgia it's like epstein bar is that you Something. know one of those mystery but, diseases but it has to do with obviously with her breathing but then yeah. fucking everyone smokes still like sarah gilbert <laughs> still smokes in the house yeah she uh, and her mother her mom dying. still smokes too like, but this house is made of – I don't think there's one pane of glass in this entire house. The house is made of windows. Some beautiful it's, balconies it's, in this house. Yeah, every window is is completely empty and out to the like to the Los Feliz like air. So and, you and could calling for the mom. Yeah, just, like, taunting <laughs> to, her. Like, jump. Jump. Yeah, so you could pro- you could probably smoke in that room and just not even affect anybody. Um, but yeah, she. Uh, I, I don't know that anyone has her. Uh, Georgie is a character's name. I don't think anybody has Georgie's best interest at heart um, other than maybe Sylvie. But like, but you're right. She does smoke these cigarettes. And Sarah Gilbert is smoking um, – I think there were clove cigarettes. Yeah. It looked like a cigar. Yeah. Man. It was real lesbian. Yes. Cigarillo, cigarillos are like – yeah. Black and tans, one of those like, gross like. – Black and miles, black and miles. And that Sherman of black and gold. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's super gross. Um but when we first meet, you know, Georgie, she also is unapproved unapproving no way. of Ivy. She's just like she's got a tattoo, she's got a nose ring, and, and she she's can a hear, bad influence. And she can hear her daughter lying. About like the oh, right. the cuts on her the cuts on her on her wrists those were actually from falling out of a window, and she told her that she tried to kill herself. Yeah, she also and I was really shocked. I thought it was going to be like a Rachel Dolezal moment <laughs> where she's like, "I'm half black," and I was like, "Oh no, is yeah. this movie pretending that Sarah Gilbert can play like biracial?" Because <laughs> I really thought it would in '92. That yeah. would have been like, "Look, she's well, she can play biracial." Yep. Yeah, it was very interesting. But I mean, I definitely knew teenagers like that that would just make shit up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And that was just her character that she just would make up these things. But the mom called her on it. Did you you tell her you're black? She's heard heard all of this before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
I, th- I told some doozies in high school just just to see how far I could take Can it. Can you think of any of them? Oh, well, like the main doozy that I told was that I had my entire high school class convinced that I was a vegetarian when I clearly was not and <laughs> um, and that I was Jewish. At a Catholic, oh wow! At a Catholic That's school, really well, you wanted to be like the punk rock Jew at the at the Catholic school. You know, I just wanted to see if I could get these idiots to believe anything, and they bought it. I th- oh my god! My typing teacher thought. Uh, my computer science well, it wasn't typing it was computer science but that's all we did was Mavis Mavis Beacon uh, learns to type um, but I think she bought it for a moment and I was like no I'm, I'm did you try to like pepper like some like Yiddish or like yeah. like well <laughs> Passover's I, coming up I yeah. like, what would you do to like kind of sell it um I I think I spoke about high holidays every now and then, but without oh you know God. without access to Wikipedia, it was it was tough. But it didn't really take much because they didn't know anything either. So. I know, but are, you grew up in LA, right? Yeah, yeah, but I went to a Catholic school. But still, I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, there are so many Jewish people here. How could they kind of not be? Ver- I guess not. Well, guess but not also the thing about private schools in LA is that. You get sent there not because you're Catholic. You get sent there because it's a better school than the one in your yes. neighborhood, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. It was a weird time. <laughs> it wasn't hurting anybody. I didn't do it to skip school. I just thought it was funny. So it was funny. We should talk about my favorite scene of the movie yeah. is when um, Ivy is charming the mom. Oh, is it? Oh, that monologue she gives. And that yeah. monologue Major. was probably all the scenes that they showed on Arsenio. Yeah. Like yeah. whenever and she Dennis won. Miller. And like Dennis Miller. Anything that they needed, a talk show moment, this is a really good scene. Again, Lana Del Rey should take that monologue and just put music behind yeah. it and like sort of baby sing it. And it would be like <laughs> so good. She could play Ivy and Georgie. Because she yeah. could, she could be the mom in the bed with the she's already got the acrylics, um, she probably has that that nightgown just in her closet already. I so I love when the mom is having trouble with her oxygen mask and she's just oh like, yeah it's it's stuck like so, like fix it and Ivy's just like oh it's too low like turn it up all she does is turn like pump more oxygen yeah i I feel like those are expertly calibrated like by nurses and you're probably not (laughs) supposed to touch that she's getting her high yeah i like when she's mentioned that her mom was like a coked up yeah we we have that clip oh yeah we've got got the clip here we go well my mom died in her 40s she was dead way before that she only pretended to be alive she was so coked out all the time looking out windows every shadow was a cop or a dealer she owed that's an amazing line she was always asking if I heard noises and she flinched every time I touched her even for a hug And she drove it with the top down even in the rain. Oh, we see a picture of Georgie with a <laughs> She's convertible. Car. I hope that when I die, 
Olive owned a sports car. I had a family. A home. My mom died an old lady who never did anything with the top down. One day with the top down is better than a lifetime in a box. How about that? That's some knowledge right there. So this is. Is, this is the second allusion that Ivy makes to her own death. Yeah. Because oh yeah. She you talks to Sil- yeah. she talks to Sylvie earlier about wanting to fall to her death, or that if she were to commit suicide, yes. she would jump. You know, which is weird. Who would like? I don't think I would choose jumping to my death. You're like no. screaming and scared the entire way but down. But Ivy Fuck is that. that big of a free spirit that she wants to pretend like she's flying. Like she's flying, even yep. in the throes of like. And they also were like jumping out of a second floor window, yeah. which is also like, are you really like, I'm not convinced you're going to like. I don't know. Onto the, onto the pavement below, maybe. Also, Georgie's window does look, but it could also just be angles. But that window looks pretty high up in her. In her, this balcony that the balcony ledge comes up to her ankles. Yeah, yeah. like that does not seem safe at all. That balcony is not safe. No, it's not up to any uh, modern safety codes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. by any means. But you know, Georgie sees Ivy's monologue. And I guess sees herself in her mm-hmm. parts of herself that she does not see in her own daughter. Yeah. And I guess we're to infer from this meeting that this is where she kind of gives Ivy the run of her closet. Right. Which, yeah, she takes full advantage of. Yeah. The, they set up when she takes when she picks up the picture of the sports car. The mother is wearing that mustard uh, tube dress with the cutout over her boobs that Ivy yes. is later wearing when they take the car out for the joyride. Michael, did you note how old Cheryl Ladd said said she was? Uh, no. She she says that. Oh yes, she's thirty eight. Yeah, thirty eight. It's crazy that. I'm at a point in my life that I'm closer to the age of the mom than I am <laughs> than the teens. The teens. That's so depressing. Yeah, thirty-eight. But, but Cheryl Ladd looks. Her nails. Cheryl yeah. Ladd looks great, though. Yeah, she kept those nails. She kept like she kept that like slam she bod. On, <laughs> she's on those Percocet highs. <laughs> Pete was wondering if on on the set, like Cheryl would regale Drew with stories of filming Charlie's Angels and that's what inspired Drew to produce Charlie's Angels. Oh, that that is a really great cinema connection. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I I just thought about it last night as we were or the other night as we were watching it. I was like, "Oh, she was an angel." That's so interesting. Yeah. She was the replacement angel for Farah. Yeah, she was. Because she then is even younger than, like, I guess the theory is she, too, was sort of a trophy wife because the husband's, like, a good 10 years older. Oh, for sure. Tom Skerritt was, like, had to be in his 50s at this point. Because even, like, in 92, like, looking, I think she looked really good for a a 40-year-old woman in 1992. Because, like, at that point, 40 still was a little bit more matronly a little bit more madame 
as uh, mm. as Nina Nina Rodriguez would say. <laughs> <laughs> so then she wins the mom over pretty quick. Just that one monologue. Mom is already like in her corner. Oh yeah, she's pretty much given the good to go anything. to just move in. And they and say so that. Then, what happens next? Is this when we go to the tattoo parlor yet? No. Pretty close. Um, I feel like all that really happens is that they're setting up that Tom Skerritt is having a big birthday party. But it's yes. really just kind of like a mixer for all his colleagues so that he can kind of like look better at work. I thought it was so morbid that they had it at the house. It's like my wife is like terminally yeah. ill and yeah. dying. And it's like, oh, don't, just don't go upstairs. Yeah. Like it's weird. And people were like, is she going to make an appearance? Is she going to come out? Like, I know. Like, relax. She's not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I also think there the intention was for for her to come out and make an appearance and then just go back to the room or something, but and she just didn't. But this is kind of really the first indication that well, maybe not the first indication, but one of the first bad things that Ivy does because uh Oh yes, the phone call she like yeah. mixes up dates, right? On like, purpose. Yeah. yeah. So like Ivy has this not Ivy. Darlene has this job volunteering with like, you know, troubled kids or whatever. And they call her to see if she can work on a specific day. And it's the day of the, of the big party. And Mm -hmm. Ivy sees the date on the calendar and she's like, oh yeah, she's free. She can come into work. And then purposely doesn't write down the appointment. So yeah, Darlene gets fucked when it's the day of the of the party, and that's like, yeah, I think it's kind of one of the first big like actual bad things that she does, at least right. to at least to Darlene. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the worst thing that she does all movie is that she allows her to get the that ugly tattoo of a peace <laughs> sign yeah. on her ankle. That is like. It's a peace that sign, is, but it's also a yin and a yang. Like, it's it's terrible. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so poorly done that, like, the same day, mere, like, minutes or hours later, they're sitting outside, and she's pouring straight Ugh, alcohol yeah. onto, yeah. like, this open flesh wound. <laughs> I'm, obs- <laughs> I'm obsessed with the song that was playing in that moment. This like fake John Bon Jovi oh, yeah. song. Yeah, there was there was some music licensing issues in this movie. No... Well, they go to that tattoo parlor. Let's talk about that. Oh, they my cut God. class and they're like, "Let's go get tattoos." And this there's this like lecherous man who clearly knows they're underage and is yeah. like ready to like sexually assault them at any moment. And they're just taking it in stride. They're like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, he's actively going in for like kisses. He is he, not he, wearing protective gloves. It looks gloves. like he tries to motorboat Drew yeah. in one yeah. point of the scene. He throws alcohol on a fresh wound. Yeah. He, like, like, not, He you know. spits the alcohol onto it. He doesn't even pour it. <laughs> um, he, he actually is wearing uh, latex gloves, but he's wearing it on the hand that he's not tattooing with. So right. it's like that's doing nothing. He's like referring to the size of his penis. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that whole joke too. Yeah. It was weird. And the and these girls like they're 
kind of expressions back and forth to each other. Like I said before, they're just like this guy, right? Am I right with this one? <laughs> like, not... yeah. And this is too like where I was like, a man wrote this because there was that montage where they're like hanging out and shopping, and and you know, Sarah Gilbert's like. She bought. I spent. You yeah, know, it sounded like someone was getting out some gripes about like the <laughs> dating scene in L.A. and they like transposed their yeah. like, thought to this high school girl. They're... And that's too where they have that classic scene where they're like, "Gee, I hope my tits get bigger." <laughs> Remember that moment? Yeah. I mean that that's totally how high school girls talk. I mean, <laughs> yeah, some of their like intimate girl talk moments are a little weird. <laughs> it's more like girl talk as written by like. 40 year olds yeah Yeah. for sure (laughs) yeah but also uh sarah gilbert is just wandering around town is this her dad's wallet she pulling out cash i know i gave you a hundred ivy can i have that back damn even for rich kids just having just having a hundred dollar bills in their pockets yeah because ivy and uh ivy and sarah gilbert get into kind of an argument when ivy says okay you're next and she to get a tattoo. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm not the kind of person. I love that. We're going to get him because we're going to be sisters. We'll be bonded for life. But it's that way. Oh, yeah. It's that way that Drew, that Drew delivery Sisters. Blood sisters. Blood sisters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she's like, ah, I'm, not, I'm not the type of person to get a tattoo. And then Ivy just gets totally offended, which I don't know. I guess it's. Another way to kind of illustrate Ivy's maybe like not so stable because like just this one little comment sets her off, but it seems like something that wouldn't really set Ivy off. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's opinion of her, you know, I feel like she kind of just doesn't really care too much about people's opinions of her. Maybe it's because it's Sylvie saying that. Right. And the movie doesn't quite, you don't necessarily feel like she's just using her to get to the dad. We actually never, I mean, her end game, I guess, is eventually revealed. Like, she wants to replace the mother, right? Yes, for sure. And what I think is kind of interesting of how this material is handled is that Ivy is never quite directed or portrayed as the villain. She's more as somebody tragic. I think that Ivy just, at the end of the day, wants to be loved. Yes, and, she comes across as, like, yeah. deeply damaged, abused, um, feral. Like, you yeah. get the sense that yeah. she actually might not have any, or she hasn't had any parental figures in her life. And she's kind of set to be Coop's maternal figure, I guess, at the yeah. end. Like, she just wants <laughs> to become her mother. Yeah. Yeah, because Ivy's clothes, when she's not wearing Georgie's wardrobe, she just wears the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even when she does commit her evil act that we'll get to, they go out of their way to show that she actually was sort of disturbed by it and has remorse over her actions. Yes. You know? Yes, indeed. We should, I mean, I guess we should just get to the big gag of the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I don't feel like much else happens between here and no, there. No, there's one scene. We need to get well, to the she seduction ends up, scene. She is ends like up jaw droppingly. Talking, well, there's well, there's two seduction scenes with that, the one with her at the end of the party that, that Cheryl Ladd scene. walks into. Yeah. Oh, and she walks in on them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. 
And Ivy kind of makes up this bogus story of that, uh, well, I was wearing your dress. I really shouldn't have been wearing the dress. And when he saw me wearing the dress, he just missed you. Right. And but that's what it essentially, was. She maneuvered it so that Sarah Gilbert is away. She can get to the dad. Yeah. He's, in, he's sober. and She tempts him with alcohol. She's wearing the mother's dress. He gets a little tipsy. Ivy looks like his old wife. I mean, she they, they set that up a bit too. Like, you know... He's probably some horny conservative talk yeah. show host toad who hasn't had sex in a long time because his <laughs> wife is like sick with like more gelins or whatever she has. <laughs> and like, you know, he's just like, he goes, he starts to go for it. And then the mom walks in on them. And it's kind of a shocking moment. Yeah. Um, not as shocking as when they totally dope up the mom. Oh my God. They just feed her like a fistful of oxy and then get her <laughs> campaign and they're like night, night. And then they really get down and dirty. Right next to her with her passed out in the same bed. And like the director's uh, so into it. She's like, loves the perversity of it. Like they cut away to them and they do this like long sweeping shot up on the mom while he's going down <laughs> on Drew Barrymore. Yes. And you're just like, <gasps> Oh my god! And she's like jerking him off with his with her foot. Uh, oh yeah, there's like a foot foot. Which which I didn't <laughs> talk about this. I was wondering if they were going to use body doubles, but there was a shot where like they they kind of foreshadow the foot job because there's an earlier scene where she like puts her foot up in front of Tom Skerritt's like face. Oh yeah, and it's her foot and her foot. That's foot's the weird. Not cute. Yeah. That's the callback to that's the callback to Lolita scene. It's pretty yeah. much the scene from Lolita where he goes out and talks to her when she's sunning herself and she has the, yes. and she has the glasses on. They needed to do a foot model, like a close-up. They should have cut. Yeah. Because Drew's Drew had like a hoof. It was like a <laughs> I was like, what is that? Yeah. That's not sexy. He he drops her disgusting hole up cowboy boots into the koi oh, pond. Oh, I know. She wasn't wearing socks. You know that those yeah. things smelled like yeah, yeah. nasty. And she goes, sweaty leather. And she goes, those cost 150 bucks. <laughs> and he, to which he pulls a wad of cash out of his pocket and he's just like, that should cover it. I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? I mean, it's like, yeah, or you could just dry out your boots. But she wants that cash, though. She, yeah. Yeah. She needs to buy more clove cigarettes, or those gross beady cigarettes that were like made with like like wrapped in like leaves. Ugh. So then, after she finally does sleep with the dad, and he's he's full, he like becomes full blown alcoholic again. He's like yeah. drinking in the morning and hiding it, and the mom is more suicidal than ever. Yes. Obviously. And she keeps flirting with the balcony and, like, she'll go out there and mm-hmm. sort of, like, pretend to jump. She likes the romantic idea of throwing herself off the bal- off the balcony, but she stops herself doing it. Yes. She does. She's just on, like, a Percocet high. She's just sort of like, woo! <laughs> and then she, like, I don't think she wanted to kill herself. No, yeah. I think, yeah. The, those those pillars, she's, she definitely knows her way around those pillars uh, out there. In the it's bathroom. like Ambien. You know how, like, people will make cigarette sandwiches and eat them yeah. on Ambien? <laughs> it could be like, she could just be on Ambien. Yep. Oh, man. I do love, okay, so when Tom Skerritt fully uh, embraces his alcoholism again, his drink uh-huh. of choice is vodka. 
And absolute. It's absolute. 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 And uh, later on, or several times, he's just he's drinking screwdrivers. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He loves a screwdriver. I was like, is that orange juice? Yeah. Or? I mean, I was drinking a screwdriver last night. It's not that unusual. No, it's not unusual. I- I, it's a little weird. I only think of it as like an airplane drink yeah. when you're flying, yeah. I guess. I mean, that's like an alcoholic because you can disguise it as orange juice. Yeah, that's true. I also thought – I also think of screwdrivers when I think of like you just turn 21 and can buy liquor and you're like, I don't know what I like. Yeah. You know, one, like I'll, like one, bot- one screwdriver and a sex on the beach, please. Yeah, like vodka's will <laughs> get like you drunk. PM yeah. At a bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like you don't you don't know what you like, you don't know what mixers are good, and so you're just like, Well, I know orange juice. <laughs> I'll drink a, a, yeah. a screwdriver with sunny delight. Do you know what that I used to good. order a lot in my early twenties just because I thought it was cool? Was just Dry martinis. Oh no! And that's like sipping lighter <laughs> fluid right there. Yeah, Awful. and I just did it because I just thought it was a like a cool drink. Yeah, yeah. It's one. I of those... remember being clueless about how you mix alcohol. Like I'd be like gin and Dr Pepper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> light it on fire. Yeah. So then, what happens next? There's there is a okay that whole sequence. With the mom, if someone can do it justice, from that point on, it really starts to get crazy. Yes. Yeah, it's like, pretty much kicked into high gear after that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Ivy and Sarah Gilbert's relationship starts to crumble. I think Coop is definitely catching mm-hmm. on that Ivy... Mm-hmm. His intentions are not in the right place. The dog scene, the epic dog scene. Oh, my scene. God. So, well, okay. So here's here's part of the thing. Ivy's living with them. It's an indeterminate amount of time. Is it days? Is it weeks? Is it months? Yeah. Who knows? She's sleeping in Coop's bed with her. Yes. The this whole time. I mean, they're they're high, they're like teenage girls. Like teenage girls. Teenage girls could do that. They're best. They were making. They had some kisses though, too. Yeah. She and that's the thing. Coop gets in bed. After the party and, like, Ivy puts her arm around her and she, like, puts her head on her shoulder and all that. And Coop's just like, fuck off. Like, leave me alone. I have a headache. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find out that I, they set up early on in the movie this dog. And, and the dog barks at everybody but Coop. And we find out that Ivy's been giving treats to the dog secretly. Mm-hmm. To get her to get the dog to like her. Don't worry, he only likes me. It's this weird loyalty thing. Yeah, I think that's what he. I think that's what she. She tells her. Right, and that's sort of like the end of their friendship. Which sort of I feel like maybe the end of their friendship is what prompts Ivy to go upstairs and do what she does because she's like, oh, maybe if a traumatic event happens, yeah. I can rebond or reconnect with. Uh, her yeah and i can just slide in the place of of where the mom was so the mom wakes up and puts on a recording of the darlene sarah gilbert's music yes it was something she made for her right yeah she recorded this song on the piano for her mom and it was a birthday present the you know this recording on on tape 
Right. So the mom like wakes up. She's like, I'm feeling good. I just took two perk. I'm going to go <laughs> hang out on the like terrace. My and favorite spot. Cocktail. And then she's like, ooh, let's like play that game I like to play where I like hang out on the edge. <laughs> and suddenly she turns around and Ivy's right there. And it's sort of weird because did Ivy at first sort of stop her and then let's her like, you know, it seemed like a yeah. sort of puts and pull. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, <clears throat> yeah, you don't know which direction Ivy's going to go in at this point. You think, okay, she's going to stop her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she almost does it at a very spur of the moment. Like it, this thought just came to her and she just did it too. It felt impulsive. It yeah. Did. Yeah. It wasn't part of her grand plan. It was just like, okay, here's a, here's a, here's a moment. Walked in there. If I was on the jury and like the case was going on and they presented it as like not premeditated, yeah. I would be like, you're right. It wasn't premeditated. Yeah. It's man too. Um, and then they do this weird stylistic thing when the mom dies where they like they do these like flash cuts of white. And yeah. Like, boom, boom. And if that felt very Lifetime movie. That's where I was like, oh, they should have like amped it up a little bit. We need this to be like a roller coaster ride. We yeah. Needed, like, we needed someone hanging on by their their, their crazy fingernails that they've been like, <laughs> with. She's, then, like, she's holding on to that ledge at those, those claws. With those, with those claws. <laughs> we needed Ivy to have like a catchphrase, you know, like a, we don't need you anymore. You yeah. know, like, but, but the movie's a little more like serious than that, I guess. Yeah. Um, so she does that. And then Drew Barrymore kind of has a crisis. She has a meltdown. Um, as a result, yes, she, indeed, she takes Sarah Gilbert and they get into her mom's red Corvette and they go on like uh, an insane <laughs> car ride, like an epic. Wait, is that what happens next? Well, right? they they kind of show a little bit of a funeral and they're just sitting in the house and you know each Ivy is fully Ivy. sleeping in mom's bed too. And Ivy wore like a hoe dress to the funeral. Yes, too. she did. Yes, indeed. Um, but her hair was in a sensible French braid, so she wasn't mm-hmm. like overtly sexy. Because I feel like You're a French right. braid is not sexy. But and so when they go in the car ride, they actually have her mom's ashes. Yes. So like Ivy's like, I am going to take this woman who I murdered's ashes and her <laughs> daughter, and we're gonna go in a car and like throw them out the window. Yep. One last goodbye. One last hurrah. Right. Go on the car ride with Georgie that we never could go on with her. And we have also the second big gag that um, Sylvie learns, and you have the clip for it. Oh, my God. This dialogue. This scene is amazing. (laughs) My second favorite part of the movie. What is that? What? That song. What are you talking about? You were just humming. So? So where'd you hear it? I don't know. I do. I wrote it. Dad recorded it for Mom for her birthday. You heard it in a room. So? So? She was playing it that morning. Oh my God. You were there. What did she say to you? Ivy! Come on, she was a 
The car accident was like good. It was really impactful. It the, was intense. Yeah, the yeah. head through the windshield like moment was with the a, ash, was a lot. With the ash urn like flying. <laughs> I know. And also like they do they go out of their way to show Drew's like heaving bosom really yeah. her heathen bosom <laughs> her heathen bosom like going right on the right on the hurt. steering wheel. Oh man. Yeah. It's an old steering wheel. It's like an old Ferrari or yeah, it's like a Corvette. Yeah, and well, I mean, this steering wheel to the titty. I mean, that comes oh. in. That comes in later on in the movie. It does. So I'm glad they really like highlight. Yeah, it. that was like but definitely was my problem. I had a few. This was one of the second time they did this. Like she moves Sarah Gilbert into the driver's seat. Yeah, it's ostensibly like, oh well, now it looks like she did it. When like clearly there's like. A pass, like her head went through the windshield. Yeah. Like someone was yeah. in the, the driver's seat, and not only that, but you'd be like, "Um, yeah, we saw two teenage girls tearing through the mount, like raising <laughs> hell in a fucking red, fire engine red Corvette, like terrorizing everyone on the road for ten miles." <laughs> and then, not only that, but even when the mom, com- like you know, they pass it off as she committed suicide, that woman fell backwards. Like they'd yeah. be looking at like, hmm. <laughs> Well, I guess she like decided to kill herself by like swan diving backwards. And, yeah, like, it's just you know there were a lot of like plot holes. Sure, I think they try to explain away you know the mom by saying that she had she had threatened it in the past and you know mm-hmm. things like that. But and yeah, this is too where the dad becomes the real villain because he gets word that his daughter is in a really bad car accident. And he shows up at the hospital, and he's kind of like a rude jerk. He doesn't like, believe her. He did it. And not only that, but it's like your wife just committed suicide. Your daughter is in a near-fatal car accident. Yeah. You immediately go home to have sex with your underage daughter's best friend? <laughs> True. <laughs> like, yeah. he is more. he is grosser than Ivy. Yeah. I mean, the nurse is like... They're going to kick that you out. hospital, too, by the way, was budget. They oh, really, yeah. like, ran out of money towards the end. Yeah. The nurse is like, they're going to kick you out in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's, yeah, okay, but my daughter's just had a head injury. She's hallucinating. I think I'm just going to go home now. Yeah, like, what the fuck? And then she goes, like, full-on jailbreak. She's, like, barefoot in a, like, hospital gown. Like, yeah, hospital what? Like, what the hell kind of hospital? What kind of security do they have? She wanders. She just leaves her room and walks out in like a hospital gown with like a bloody head wound. And it was clearly like a community college. It was not yeah. a hospital. Yeah. Like I love they were the um, I love the the guy that picks her up and the bus. Oh yeah, that was kind of like some like local flavor. There's like a a like benevolent punk rocker who owns a school a bus. school bus. <laughs> <laughs> and he just decides to pick. He's like, "Oh yeah, she's clearly like just broken from the hospital." She's, he was like, into running it, running barefoot with the head injury. <laughs> he was like, I'll "Good luck, good luck, girl, good luck, man." He and thought, she gets out. 
He thought she was like cosplaying though. He was yeah like, he, maybe yeah he thought she was like on her way to like some like shithead like punk show, and she was just like cosplaying. But okay, but Sarah Gilbert is fully having hallucinations of her dead mother at this point. <laughs> yes, she has, she has a serious head wound. She She's sees, probably on some meds. Yes, she sees her mother in her hospital bed with this like this necklace that. I don't know that they set up this necklace being important early in the movie. They did. They did, did they? Yeah. Okay. Because Drew uh Drew talks about it. Okay. She points it out when they first met. So Me. so she kind of like is having a memory of her mother handing it to her. But then later on, when she gets back to the house, this is like the big gaggy like lesbo moment, which I think even Cheryl Ladd had issues with because she's having these hallucinations of her mother in her mother's bedroom and they kind of like go in for a kiss. Wait, I thought that's when she sees her dad. Well, they see, yeah, you're right. You're right. She sees the dad first. She sees the dad and Ivy full on boning on the piano first. And it looks like her mother and they, they didn't use a stunt double for him either. No, that is his face and his ass. They sort of cut around drew in that scene. Yeah, and she's in a full dress. They're not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's she's totally covered. She's just grinding up against him. Yeah, but yeah, at this point, she sees that she she gets freaked out. She like runs. She leaves. Tom Scarrett like chases her down the steps. It's pouring down rain. It's oh, this torrent, you know. Hurts his back. He he slips on the stairs, and Drew goes out, and she's like, "I can catch her," and he's like, "Try you know stopping her." And, like, manhandles Ivy at that point. Again, I was on Ivy's side. I was like, this adult man who was just having <laughs> sex with this young, underage girl is, like, physically, like, threatening her, too. Yes. He's like, you leave her alone. Yeah. It felt like, hey, I'll punch you out if you don't, like, listen to me. Oh, for sure. He was, like, pulling her down by her arm, and she was like, ah. Yeah. That, that classic movie line, you're hurting me. <laughs> um. So, uh, you know... S- Sylvie is like running around the mansion, like just <laughs> losing her mind, and makes it back up to the mom's bedroom. And this is where she has a hallucination again of the and mom, they and they yeah. kiss, and it turns into actually it's just Ivy the whole time that she's yeah. making out with, and the only reason that she knows is because Ivy slips her the tongue. Oh, Ivy straight up goes in for the French. And that's what, like, snaps her out of it. And, and then they somehow – do they start fighting? Yeah. How they, they like, end up on the balcony again? She somehow corners her out on the ledge. Yeah. And so it's it's sort of like an interesting – like, you know, Ivy wanted to be the mother and she really is. She really did become her because she even – suffers the same fate yes yeah so i was i was reading that i guess the original ending that they shot ivy gets away with everything and she ends up uh running away and hitchhiking on the road and that was the original ending that they shot that's a very showgirls yeah so they pretty much ended ended like nomi malone leaving vegas it was going to be drew hitchhiking her way out of la Wow. But I guess that New Line just felt that 
this character had to pay for what she did. Yeah. So they rewrote a new ending in which she died. Which it the ending felt kind of phoned in. Like it really wraps up. Like yeah. the second she's like over that balcony, ten seconds later the movie's over. Oh yeah. It for ends sure. on like voiceover that sometimes I think about her. I still miss her. I kind of, wow. I kind of yeah. like the idea. That's so lesbian. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of Ivy living, going off and hitchhiking, and then Showgirls is just an immediate sequel to this movie. That she I, she decides to go out to Vegas. Prequel was Poison Ivy. I would believe it. <laughs> it makes they should total be sense. the lesbians. They should stand this the way that like we stand, Mommy Dearest. You know, like well, sure. yeah, and that should th- be in the lesbian camp. And that's the yeah. thing is that this movie surprisingly isn't as widely known or watched as we like to think it is. Yeah, yeah. Most people that I talk to have no idea about this. Movie. Yeah, not familiar. But if right. you, but yeah, you're right. Like a Mommy Dearest, it is like a camp classic. Cause, yeah. Well, too, because parts of it are so potent and yeah. like good, and then parts of it are so ridiculous and yeah. over the top. It has a pretty good poker face of when to be serious. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the things that this. I think this director really knows what she's doing with this mat- with this material the di- too. The direction is modern too. Like it's yeah. sort of on Ivy's side, so it yeah. doesn't play as gross. It's not like on Tom Skerritt's side, which is how most movies approach the subject matter they come right. from the the like poor husband or poor man's do you almost feel like the last time that this type of kind of story in a movie was acceptable was probably american beauty yeah uh it's similar it's similar yeah. in its idea but and i like that poison ivy seems to be more preoccupied with female friendship yeah uh-huh. I, think that's, I think that's really interesting about it yeah. I also I also got a little basic instinct with those two characters. I feel like Ivy is a little precursor to like a Catherine Trammell. I think that, Absolutely. I think this movie was released very, very close to Basic Instinct too. Yeah. I think that Basic Instinct was released in March and this followed in May. Yeah. And even like Jean Triplehorn is the brunette. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they're always you always do that blonde brunette and yep. like, the way that they're sort of like Female friendship, jealousy, competitive, yep. like, you know, all those things, obsessed with each other. Yeah, um, for sure. Because yeah. Ivy wants her, she wants Sarah Gilbert's life, essentially. And Sarah Gilbert wants to be Ivy. So they both have something that the other one wants. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, what about a gay version? I really want a gay <laughs> remake with men. There should be they, a gay remake of this. That would be But okay, would you do it? There's like a couple ways. Would you do it like. <laughs> There's, like, a gay dad, and he, like, adopted a kid, like, 15 years ago, and suddenly his, like, daughter that he adopted brings home this, like, bad news twink who's, like, <laughs> kind of pretending to be, like, straight and, like, seducing the dad. Oh, man. Or I think... would you do it, like, Fox News host, like, closeted, like, Shep Smith? Yeah. Ooh. What's that That's how... name? Shepard Smith? Yeah. That's how yeah. I think I would do it. I think that it's a... a... I mean, he can be a single dad. He can be married. It doesn't really matter. And he has a gay son, and the son sort of, like, is uh, just getting to be out and proud. He makes friends with, like, a a super, like... A fully out. A fully fully out. realized gay kid. Gay, rebellious teen. And the teen sort of, like, sneaks his way in this household, and he ends up seducing... The, the dad. dad, but they're like a gold digger, right? Yeah, and they want the money, they want the lifestyle. 
I mean, I would. I mean, I, I would, would watch, watch that, that movie. So, <laughs> uh, why can't we make that? Oh man, it's just like gay men can also be the villains. They yeah. can be well. Not only yeah. that, I feel like straight people would watch a thriller like that. You know, like straight people don't like to watch serious gay dramas, yeah. or comedies, yeah. but they actually might be fascinated by like watching, you know, single, you know, any erotic thriller from the 90s remade with gay people. Yeah. I mean, I think the three of us have enough connections in this town to get this done. We've just, well, we can like get it made on Quibi. <laughs> yeah. Seven minutes at a time. Seven minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, they should remake Poison Ivy for Quibi. Oh my God. I, love I mean, people's attention spans are pretty short. It's true. Um, they do, you know do what, need to remake this though. Do you know what I was 100%. also thinking that's almost like a, a kind of an unintentional remake of this movie is 13 with Evan Rachel Wood. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. It borrows like a, a lot of elements yeah. from from Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy's a spiritual godmother. Yeah, for sure. Um we should talk a little bit about this the sequel so and our thoughts. We maybe made it into 20 minutes of Poison Ivy 2 Lily and we had to turn it off. So, it's really bad, right? So, okay, so the premise of Poison Ivy 2 Lily, well, like, I guess the elevator pitch of it, I guess, is that it, because it's not really connected, it's not the same characters or actors or any of that, but she finds Ivy's diary and is, like, inspired uh, oh. to become, you know... Because I guess that Ivy was living in this boarding house from this, like, in, like, a room for rent in this house that she ends up moving into. <laughs> Right? Okay, so listen to this. A sheltered art student, Alyssa Milano, finds Ivy's diaries and after reading them is lured into uninhibited risk-taking to become a wild woman. Oh my god, Ivy's diaries like the necromancer. It's like this like, <laughs> magical book yeah. that once you read it, it yeah. like, turns you like evil. It's like, made of human foreskin. Um, okay, so my friend, when I was in like I don't know what what year was did it was ninety six or ninety six yep. So yeah, we had rented movies and like my friend's parents had rented movies and it was really weird because I saw like I was like what is Poison Ivy two oh and God. you know I had rented like she's all that and like <laughs> the parents had rented it to watch in their like bedroom with their own TV and VCR and oh. it was very gross where I was like ew they're having a like weird like you know like couples night they rent soft cores and yeah. Like, have a fun Saturday night, and it was sort of like <laughs> make make out. It was that one. Make out as we watch Poison Ivy two. There's this other one where she's like a vampire. Do you know? What I'm yes, talking about? I do. I, I, is that one called Vampire's Kiss? Something. Yeah, I know exactly both, so which one that like, is. I'm guessing my friend's dad liked Alyssa Malone. Oh yeah, for sure. He was like definitely living his like who's the boss fantasy. That's kind of. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> uh, so then we also have uh, Poison Ivy, The New Seduction. And this one is now starring Jamie Presley. Introducing Jamie Presley. Introducing Jamie Introducing. Presley. Yes. And we've got, okay, Ivy's sister, Violet. So they all have flower names because Alyssa, li- Alyssa was Lily. So now we've got Ivy's sister, Violet, uh, visits the Greer residence. And it doesn't take long for her to use her skills of manipulation to throw the household into a state of panic and deceit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds mm-hmm. very similar to the first. Yes, I think that one is a little bit more. Uh, so my thoughts on the second one, have I, having seen the trailer, it seemed like it may have just been a script for an erotic thriller with this college-age you know, female protagonist or slash antagonist. And I don't know if people were just like, maybe let's change some things around and slap a poison Ivy two. Oh yeah. Name they shoehorned it. it in for yeah. sure. Because it has 0.00 to do with poison Ivy. Do you know what they ended up doing that with, with, uh, uh, with Kat Shea? Cause she directed, Carried to the Rage. Oh my god! And that uh-huh. and that was the deal with Carried to the Rage. Is that was just a script floating around that they just rebranded as Carrie. That's the same as um, Die Hard Three was just a random action movie called Simon Says, and then they were like, "Oh, let's make it a Die Hard," and oh they like god. incorporated mm-hmm. the Die Hard into it. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Alyssa Milano was in Embrace of the Vampire in 1995. Oh, that was what they rented. (laughs) I want to say when I worked at a video store, that was one of the red-flagged VHSs that you really had to be over the age of 18 to rent. Uh, Yeah. I'm sure now it's probably quite tame. Do you even think? I'm sure they just show, like, full nudity. Well, and not even in, like much of a sexual context. We uh, the cast also features Jennifer Tilly, Rachel True, and Jordan Ladd. Oh wow! Well, yeah. Jennifer Tilly might get me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh my goodness. She would have been good in a Poison Ivy. That would have been like the dark, like poison, like the I don't know. Like, she would be blood. like Jennifer Tilly would be like Drew's. The out aunt. of out of town aunt. Yeah, the yeah. aunt that's supposed aunt. to be. Yeah, the, <laughs> her aunt Iris. Oh my god, Lily, Violet, and Iris. <laughs> <laughs> the Poison Ivy two family or Poison Ivy family. Everybody, wow. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts? Anything we left out? Anything we? I just want to note that no. for the for the opening credits of this movie of uh ivy on the tire swing i'm a good sucker for with in credits it was with oh. cheryl ladd and drew, drew barrymore as, as ivy. ivy i always love that you can always get like good star power with a with and an and and what I kind like of actors with. have withs and ands yeah and credits <laughs> yeah. yeah drew couldn't get an introducing that hoe's been around for way too long I want I want Drew and Sarah to re-embrace it and like do a like twentieth you know like I'm twenty five year anniversary like yeah I mean commentary Sarah Gilbert for sure especially now being like this you know this out lesbian you know yeah power Hollywood person she should I definitely that, like, I hope that her and Drew still text back and forth that'd be maybe. nice they probably don't probably not. <laughs> No. <laughs> we can only hope. I I have to say I am watching uh Sarah Gilbert on the Connors and she's charming. She's good. And yeah. she's also on that daytime talk show. Yeah. Isn't that is it the, the real? real? The the talk. The talk. The real is the urban the, talk. the real is the more urban one. <laughs> the talk is the one on CBS and that's the one with uh Sharon Osborne. <laughs> 
And Julie Chen moon there. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I wonder yeah. how she got that job. <laughs> I don't know. She knows somebody at CBS. Uh, oh, boy. All right, Michael, any thoughts on this? Final thoughts on uh, on this movie before we wrap no, it up? No, I'm so glad that you recommended it and like asked me to come along because it's right up my wheelhouse. Yeah. Like, and I would have picked something like this if it was like given to me. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot funner than the last so. movie that we did with you. We did. What, what was the, the last? object oh, of object. my affection? <laughs> I mean, woo, that one was dry as a turkey. <laughs> and we have to. Of, we didn't have a lot to work with on that. Also, yeah. a big shout out to our uh, friend Chris Sergliano, guest yes, on Masters he... of the Universe, because I couldn't find this movie anywhere to watch, and I'm just like, what straight friend do I know that could probably find this? <laughs> just online somewhere. He's good at pirating things. And I text, yes. I text Chris. Especially movies about underage girls seducing <laughs> older men. I text Chris and not within like five minutes, I got a link. <laughs> and I immediately sent it to you. I did and I, I watched it. And that does speak to this era like where you think we, there's like 12 streaming channels and you're like, I can watch anything in the world. Yeah. And there are so many movies that you can't watch. This is when video stores come in handy. Cinema. Like it's not, you know, yeah. some like underground Euro art house bootleg yep. Greek, like, you know, like why <laughs> should, this should be available. Yeah, Do you think totally. it's because of those bullshit songs that are in this movie that are just impossible to license? But they're not. Y- yes. And they're the bottom line. These companies are so number crunchers. They don't care. They're like, if it's not worth it, you know, who cares? Yeah. Let, there, it, let it fall into obscurity. There is a Shout Factory Blu-ray set of all of them, though. So mm-hmm. it is available, but you kind of have to you have to buy the you whole have to thing. Pay, yeah, you have to shell out right. for it. And it's like 30 bucks. Um, which, I mean, this movie is... It's worth it. This movie's priceless. I would like to get. <laughs> I I would like to get the nice transfer of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that would that would definitely be worth it. But definitely a movie that I would recommend. And gay men love shit like this. They love Drew Barrymore yeah. and yeah. this character type. Like we love all of that. It's sort of like the best Lifetime movie ever yes. made. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's yeah. elevated Lifetime. It's Lifetime yeah. with with asses. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, and, but that's and not on, much of a selling point. And, and fucking on hoods of cars, fucking car hoods. Yeah. Oh man, this was really fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming All on, right. man. Of course, always happy to join. Yeah. This was this was really awesome. Thanks for coming on. Have you have you discovered anything in this quarantine time? Anything that you're oh, watching? God. Anything that you've like discovered? I've, I've been watching old seasons of Survivor. Oh wow. Because there are so many and it's endless and it's just like kind of comforting and we're getting into um, the last season of Project Runway. Yes, you, okay. Yes, I watched Making the Cut. I heard Making I the Cut's good. That, yeah, it's good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, yes, I I watched the last season. I've watched almost every season of Project Runway. I might be like one of those weird like <laughs> super fans who's seen like almost. I mean, more or less every season. Yeah, and it's like the Price is Right now. It's been on for like thirty years. Yeah, it's just like winners blur together post like after the tenth season. They're hard oh. to remember. The minute someone yeah. the minute someone gets sent home from Project Runway, they're erased from my memory. And I feel like RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> is kind of becoming like that now. That like which, the seasons are one? RuPaul's Drag Race. That like oh, when yeah, when they get absolutely. into their teen seasons, they all start kind of blurring together. 
Everybody just yeah. sort of resembles Violet Trotsky at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Which, although, imagine if a queen did a Poison Ivy look. Oh, my God. I would love it. Mm-hmm. Like, the oh, red... What? The red... The, the red look. You yeah. want to do, yeah, the red skirt and the red trench and the blonde hair. Although doing, like, the Drew's Melrose look, going to get a tattoo is also pretty, <laughs> like, major. Yeah, I think people would just think it's Kelly Bundy. Though. Night of a... Night of a... Night of a Thousand Ivies? Night of a they Thousand They should do Ivies. Night of a Thousand Drews. Yeah. There's yeah. enough Drew looks. <laughs> I mean, Drew Barrymore's not doing anything. They could get Drew Barrymore to come in for an afternoon. Yeah. yeah, she's local. She's she's here in LA, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, and she's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, I think it's time to wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on this show. This was super fun. All right, guys. You, Stay safe. Be well. well. Keep watching. Always an amazing guest. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, man. Bye, guys. All right. And all you listeners, all you cool cats and kittens, cool cats and kittens. It's already played out at this point. Yeah, seriously. But thanks so much for listening to another wonderful episode. We're going to be approaching episode 50 soon. Can you believe that? We've been doing this fucking show for a year almost. A year. That's crazy. Once a week, all for you, Mm -hmm. all for free. It's been a fun time. It has been so much fun. Thank you for listening, everybody. We would love it if you would rate and review our show. Go to iTunes, subscribe, hit five stars. Five stars. Give us five stars. You have nothing else better to do. I know. During this quarantine time, catch up on your on your podcast ratings. Write us a little review. Give us some stars and listen to our episodes. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. And you can find us on Twitter at MTMUGPod. See, I've got it. You got it. Sweet. Uh, We've got another fresh episode coming your way next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.